Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, yes. Oh, so much. Goddamn yes. Monday, January 29th, episode 141 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. How's your stick, Flo? My best friend used to say, how's your stick, flow?" I never knew it. Now I guess I know what that means. I'm not sure. I mean, is it the, the stick in my car? I, I, there's so many yeah. ways we can go with this. Right. But, uh, yes, so much yes is correct. Um, are, are, are you you're, you're still alive, which is nice. You Have you been sleeping or what? Was it a big, so was I pulled it a big an all-nighter. I mean, okay. I know I look like garbage. Uh, hopefully it's audio only for most of you this week. But uh, I did not sleep after the Charlotte show. Mm. I went out. I went out drinking tequila uh, against my better judgment. So I woke up like an hour before the show. I'm wearing it today. <laughs> and, of course, it's Super Bowl week, and yet there's so much going on in the MMA world that I, I can't even think about the Patriots, right? I yeah. think this whole Daniel Cormier, Stipe, Miocic thing has been a welcome distraction, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. Of course, we're going to recap the Charlotte fights. Jacare Souza back in a big way. In a few minutes here, we're going to bring on Eric Anders live from Belang, Brazil. He fights Lyoto Machida in the main event this weekend. Uh, Paul Felder most diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan on the roster as far as I see it. So he's going to be on the show. He's also calling the fights in Brazil this weekend. Long goes back. We got predictions. Lot to get to. No time to waste. We start, as always, with headlines. Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. So I want to start with the super fight, and you can certainly call it that. Daniel Cormier, UFC light heavyweight champion, moving up to challenge the UFC heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic. They will coach on the Ultimate Fighter. They will meet July 7th. So we had an inkling, Kenny, that this was in the works and could possibly be happening. I spoke to DC right after, or excuse me, the day before it broke, and uh, talked to him at length about it. So I'll get into some of that. You and I had a little bit of a disagreement last week, I guess, yeah. as to the merits of a fight between D.C. and Stipe. Um, so I'm just going to start with the fact that I think he has 
a, a great chance to win this fight. I do believe Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time. I'd love to see him capstone his legacy with a win over DC or, or Cain Velasquez. I think Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time, but I think people just don't understand physically what Cormier brings to the table. I think they're a little bit fooled by the frame. He went 13-0 and as a heavyweight. He went 25 minutes with Josh Barnett. Uh, and as Brian Stan would say, Kenny, until you roll with the guy, maybe you don't have a complete appreciation for the physicality. Uh, I think this is a competitive fight, and I'm excited to see DC seize the opportunity. This is a huge fight. Uh, you know, Daniel Cormier, he's just a winner. Uh, you know, he's a guy who has been winning for the majority of his life, whether it was wrestling or mixed martial arts. He knows how to win. Um, you know, this was this was tough because what was he going to do? He cleared out the division, right? He's already cleared out the light heavyweight division. The only fight out there for him um, that's semi-interesting of a guy that he hadn't fought was Glover Teixeira. Um, but I, I think we know the results of, of that fight already. And, and because of that, um, I don't know if that's the most exciting fight for a lot of the fans. Um, right. I, I think he beats Glover. Um, I, I think of the rematch against Gustafson. I think he, he wins that fight, even though that's dangerous. And for Stipe, you know, obviously this is a man who knows how to wrestle. He was a Division One wrestler, certainly not at the level of, uh, of Daniel Cormier, who wrestled in two different Olympics or qualified for two different Olympics. Um it's it's a guy who is a heavyweight knockout artist. This is a guy mm -hmm. who's knocking guys out in the heavyweight division and doing so against some of the best strikers. Um, you know, it, this is a tough fight for Daniel. Um, it, it's an amazing fight. It's quite the opportunity. And I think at this point for Daniel, this is one of those legacy fights, right? If he can't yep. get that fight or get get a win over John Jones, you, you go after the, the, the big game, uh, and, and that's Stipe Miocic. You go out there and win a heavyweight champ, world championship fight. Um, I mean, Daniel's already going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. If he's able to pull this off, yeah. um, you know, he, he would absolutely solidify himself as maybe top three, uh, you know, top five uh, ever to compete in the octagon. Yeah, huge opportunity for him as far as the betting odds are concerned, right? Francis Ngannou was a minus 185 favorite against Stipe Miocic a few weeks ago. That is the price that Stipe is at now against Daniel Cormier. Mm -hmm. If Stipe was fighting Cain Velasquez, I think it would be closer. But given Cain Velasquez's layoff, I still think you're looking at Stipe in that minus 150 range, Kenny. I right? agree. So, <clears throat> so it's a little bit more pronounced with Cormier as you would expect. I want to talk about the alternative for Daniel Cormier. Mm -hmm. If this fight doesn't materialize, right, if Francis Ngannou beats Stipe and those two run it back, this was the perfect storm. They were competing on the same card at UFC 220. Both men got the desired result to make this happen. But this easily could have been nowhere near the table. And that would mean that the alternative, Kenny, was was Daniel Cormier at 39 years old putting his UFC light heavyweight title back on the line against the guy who gave him his toughest fight. Obviously, the John Jones fight, certainly, yeah. uh, in January of 2015. Um, but October of 2015 at UFC 192, Cormier versus Gustafson, this is the fight that DC talks a lot about. And that was going to be the next fight. And I'm not going to sit here today and say unequivocally that I believe the Gustafson fight is more dangerous than the Stipe fight for Daniel. But there's certainly an argument to be made. Dominic Cruz would make it, not just because Gustafson is his teammate. I just think a lot of us see... A lot of different variables for the Cormier-Gustafson rematch. We see Gustafson as a guy who kicks, kicks to the head, has a lot of different yep. ways to win, has an easier cut down to 205 pounds than a 39-year-old Daniel Cormier presumably would have. And I just see all of those factors measuring up to a big ask 
and a pick em fight between Cormier and Gustafson in their rematch. So I just don't know that the alternative is a picnic. And that's why I just think for Daniel, not only was this Stipe, Stipe fight appealing, but I got to think in some respect, you know, putting that Gustafson rematch off and maybe even with finality was appealing too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and let's talk about risk reward, right? I, I mean, w what would he have to right. gain in winning a rematch against Gustafson as opposed to winning a fight against Stipe Miocic? Uh, first of all, um, you talk about, uh, the risk and reward in regards to what he has accomplished. He has the ability to win two belts, to do it in the heavyweight division. And obviously the Steep Bay fight is going to garner a lot more money and attention than the rematch against Gustafson. So right. for that, I, I like the fight. I still think this is a very uh, dangerous fight for Daniel. This is the most dangerous fight of Daniel Cormier's career. Um, yes. Just based on the punching power of Stipe Miocic and on the momentum yeah. that he has here. Now, if this fight doesn't materialize, I, I would imagine that the UFC would have Cain Velasquez maybe on the back burner or, or maybe right. ready and waiting. Uh, hopefully he stays healthy. That's another fight I would like to see happen. Uh, Kane and Stipe uh, should, you know, Stipe either win the fight or whatever, something not happen. Right. But, uh, yeah, man, exciting times, especially given, you know, the, the, the things that we're hearing uh, for, for that weekend, uh, for, for fight week, right. for, for Cormier, right. <laughs> Miocic. I mean, some amazing fights that are, that are yeah. being talked about right all, now. All the, thing that Kenny, all the things Kenny Florian is, is hearing about that he can't share with you today. <laughs> yes. uh, do you think it's also a case of striking while the iron is hot when it comes to Cormier, that perhaps Cain Velasquez could be ready by July 7th, but this fight, on the heels of UFC 220, has some momentum, and and maybe they feel like Cormier, as we said last week, who's been on TV for five years, who has had these fights with John Jones, that maybe that's a monetarily better fight for the UFC than Kane Stipe would be right now, and, and maybe that's why they're striking and not letting it go by the boards? Uh, without a doubt, dude. And, and I think that, you know, for the UFC, I think they've learned their lesson of of striking when the iron is hot. And, and you can't wait around these days. You know, we all learned kind of the lesson between um, Ronda and Holly when they wanted to do the rematch and, you know, things were delayed and that fight never happened, never materialized in the rematch. And, you know, that would have been a huge money fight. I think they're realizing that they have to get these big fights as soon as possible um, yeah. They're really trying to make these fights happen that the fans want to see as soon as possible, which I love. Um, and uh, exciting times ahead, man. Kane Velazquez pushed out a tweet that led people to jump to the conclusion that he would fight Daniel Cormier if Cormier beats Stipe. Now, given the extent to which Kane and DC have beat each other up in the gym, yeah. if both of them are going to realize a seven-figure payday, I'm not sure anybody would be all that surprised to see them fight, quite frankly. Right? I mean, if I they're mean, both Maybe. Yeah. May, listen, there's a lot. There's no doubt. There's a lot of money on the line. Both those guys would uh, definitely be seeing dollar signs. I don't see them fighting, though. I yeah. mean, I don't. I don't. Well, know, and again, man. I don't know what type of money you're pretty even close be talking about. You know, no, no doubt about it, right? And I think DC certainly likes his chances privately more against Stipe than Kane, right? Right? Because right? he knows exactly what he's getting into yeah, with Kane. But true. it's also interesting because Cormier and and Stipe spent some time together recently in Cleveland filming in the clinch for FS1. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, shoulder to shoulder all week in Boston, traveling together out of the yeah. red corner, man. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, yes. And for Stipe, again, another opportunity to, to prove this legacy. We both think he's the greatest heavyweight right now that the UFC has ever seen. But I don't know. I just think it's very interesting. And I think there's a conversation to be had um, as to whether or not this is 
really a much more difficult fight than the Gustafson one would be. I threw it out there on Twitter today, a lot of different responses. Mm. But, you know, some people are saying to me, oh, this is this is Gastelum Bisping all over again. I mean, it's like, what are you talking about, right? It's like, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I was saying sort of to be funny, Redman has this line at the end of one of his rap songs. It says, you know, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, figure that shit out when you get home. You know, laugh now and then figure that shit out when you get home. So when I pose the question, Kenny, who's a more dangerous fight, Gustafson or Stipe? I say, laugh now, figure this shit out when you right. get home, meaning go watch UFC 192 and tell me that Gustafson isn't a real problem for Daniel Cormier. You know, yep. Stipe doesn't even kick. So I'm excited to see it regardless. Uh, July 7th, Miocic, Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title. Eric Anders is going to join us shortly, Kenny, but I want to talk about Jacare Souza. Gets Derek Brunson out of there. Nicely disguised head kick. It looked like Brunson thought a hand was coming. Instead, it was a foot. And uh, I think Jacare proved a lot of doubters wrong here, Kenny. He's he's an elder statesman in this division, but he's never fought for the UFC title. And I think this result, coming back from an extended layoff, a torn pectoral, an emergency appendectomy, moving his family to Orlando, all of that to come out and produce this type of result. I think whether it's interim or otherwise, Jacare's next fight is going to be for a piece of that UFC gold. Well, those were all the things that really concerned me. I was hearing uh, about this surgery. You know, I knew that he had recently moved to Orlando and was having a little bit of trouble with his camp. Um, he was coming off another injury in his last fight against Whitaker. And, and Jacare is just kind of the guy that doesn't make excuses, keeps his mouth shut, just trains the best that he can and prepares for his opponents. Um, and, uh, Boy, I mean, what a performance there against Brunson. Um, I, I thought that, you know, footwork-wise, he, he definitely has, uh, you know, some room for improvement. Um, but either way, if this guy connects, it doesn't matter. It's with a, a hand, an elbow, a knee, or a kick. He's going to take you out. And for Derek Brunson, who hasn't gotten rid of that habit of when he strikes, and I used to do the exact same thing early in my careers. When I start striking, I start coming up and reaching with the chin as I come forward. And that's what's going to make you vulnerable to a knockout shot. Um, I thought it was going to be another right hook uh, from Jacare that dropped him. He almost dropped him er earlier in the fight. Uh, it, it came in the form of, of that leg, and uh, boy, does he get that leg up quickly, man. Um, oh. Really hard for Brunson to recover when you have a, a, a guy with killer instinct like a Jacare Souza. Um, and, and man, what a result. You know, Brunson, again, close to kind of breaking into that uh, upper echelon of middleweights, unable to do it, unfortunate for him uh, in his home state. Um, Jacare Souza, man, just a beast. Awesome to see the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu legend get the win. Yeah, and what a likable guy, too. We'll have more yeah. on Jacare Souza later in the show and also the rest of that Charlotte card. Controversial decision, at least according to most, between Dennis Bermudez and Andre Feely. But now joining us live from Belang, Brazil, and we're happy to have him five days out from what is his first UFC main event against Lyoto Machida, UFC middleweight contender. Your boy Eric Anders is with us. Eric, John, and Kenny here, man. How's it going out there in Belang? Oh, man, it's going awesome. You know, the... Uh... You know, I love it out here. It's nice and warm, you know, compared to Alabama where I live. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty chilly, so I'm glad to be in a, in a warm climate. Well, you look good as usual. I noticed you cut the lettuce a little bit, so the, the fade looks tight. You look ready to go. Oh, now, I know you, you called your shot after your last fight. You wanted this fight against Lyoto Machida, uh, and, and you're getting this fight. And I think anybody who really knows what you're all about and what your career has held to this point knows that you deserve it. Um, how did this fight come together, and uh, what was your reaction initially when the call came in that it would be a main event and it would be Lyoto? Uh, man, you know, I asked for it, and they gave it to me, so, you know, uh, you know, this business as usual. You know, 
Um, this is kind of where I want to be. You know, it's uh, pretty early in my career, already hitting a main event against a uh, legend. So, you know, I think I go out here, uh, dispatch of uh, Leoto, and, uh, you know, hopefully get a top 10 guy and kind of work my way uh, into the upper echelon of fighters. So in terms of your history in MMA, and we'll, we'll probably get to the football stuff in a bit. So you go five rounds to beat Brendan Allen to win the LFA middleweight title. Less than a month later, you knock out Sapo Natal in your UFC debut. Five rounds scheduled for this Saturday night. I'd imagine when you look back at those 25 minutes, a pretty valuable experience as you get ready now for a UFC headlining spot. Yeah, for sure. But you, I don't think you ever can get ready for 25, uh, 25 minutes. You know, uh, you, you don't know what it's going to be like, the pace, the pace that you're going to fight at. So now that I've experienced that, uh, I know uh, how, how I'll feel, how it's going to feel in that 24th minute uh, of the last round. So, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, I don't think the fight's going to go 25 minutes, but if it does, I'm more than ready. Very confident in my preparation and cardio uh, and diet and nutrition and everything leading up to this fight. So, uh, you know. Whether the fight goes one minute or 25 minutes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Eric, what kind of uh, Machida do you expect on fight night? I expect the best uh, version of himself that he can be. You know, obviously, you know, he's 40 years old. He's, you know, you're not in your athletic prime in your 40. So, you know, um, certainly I think that he's a very attribute-based uh, fighter. Uh, you know, he relies a lot on speed. And I think that's kind of dwindled a little bit. So, um, but whatever, whatever he's got left in the tank, you know, uh, I expect the, the best version of himself. You know, Eric, we all know about your, your football background. How has that helped you as a fighter? Um, I think that, uh, you know, pretty much my whole life, you know, I played football from seven to 25 years old or 24 years old. And the training for football is just about speed, explosion, short, short area quickness. Uh, so from an athletic standpoint, uh, I think it's really helped develop um, those fast twitch muscles uh, and what and things like that, an explosion. Eric Anders with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So you were a big part of that 2009 national championship win for Alabama over Texas. You played D-line at a 5A school in Texas. You got the D1 scholarship because of your ability, because of your work ethic, outstanding college football career. I believe you signed with the Cleveland Browns as a free agent, but eventually segued to, to martial arts full time. When did the NFL or, or pro football dream really end for you? Uh, well, you know, a lot of people say that I left football, but trust me, I didn't leave football on my own accord. I didn't really think the MMA would, you know, I didn't say, oh, I want to do MMA, so I don't want to do football. No. You know, right. I kind of, uh, you know, hit the brick wall, realized the career was over. You know, I got cut by Cleveland, went to Canada, got cut, played a year of arena, arena ball, and pretty much just said, you know, if it's not the NFL, then, you know, I don't I don't want to play. So, you know, I came back home, uh, you know, worked a bunch, and, um, you know, just walking to a gym, just trying to blow off some steam, and, uh, you know, just fell in love with the with the sport right then and there, the very first day. Well, we're certainly glad to have you. And in terms of these elite, decorated college football players trying to break through and win a UFC championship, I think a lot of people think that you can be the guy. Oban St. Pru didn't have the football career that you had necessarily, but he has worked his way into the top 10 and stayed there for several years. So you've also said strikers get paid, right? And I know you've prioritized finishing fights. And, and certainly as a guy who has called over 1,000 UFC fights, I understand the value in that. 
But how do you manage that risk and reward, right? Because ultimately you beat Leota Machida. Um, the, the financial gain is pretty significant. It sounds like you feel like the, the monetary is, is very much related to not just winning fights, but, but how you win. Uh, man, you know, the, the goal is just to go out and win. If I knock him out, cool. If I submit him, cool. If it goes to a decision, I'm fine with that. You know, um, I, I'm not really just dependent on striking, although uh, my two fights in the UFC have gone. You know, that's just how they ended up. You know, that's just where the fight took place. I'm a feat for the majority of the fight. So uh, I'm very competent on the ground. I can get the job done on the, on the ground. I'm a purple belt world champion in jiu-jitsu. So uh, I know what I'm doing on the ground. It just so happens that the fights uh, that the people have seen, you know, we're all on the feet. So from the first time I interviewed you, I think it was in the octagon, I just started thinking television for this guy, right? I just think you have a way about you, I think, that would translate. Um, are you a, a, an MMA fan? I mean, some of these UFC fighters watch every single show. Some of them, like Brian T. City Ortega, can't remember the last time he watched one of these. How much are you watching this sport on a regular basis? Uh, I, I try to catch every fight, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I watch the fights. You know, I've watched... You know, they, they have a, a TV channel here called Combots where all they do is show, uh, right. yeah. you know, I, I probably watched uh, that fight from this weekend, the whole card, you know, three or four times already. So, yeah. you know, uh, I'm in love with martial arts, mixed martial arts. I love this sport. I think it's a very pure sport. You can't hide like you can in team sports. Eventually, you'll get exposed, and that's kind of one of the things that uh, turned me on to, to mixed martial arts. What about the television stuff? Is that something that, that you or your manager, Jason House, has talked about at all? I know you're focused on fighting, but do you think that interests you at all? Uh, man, I think maybe later on down the road, you know, uh, I don't think I'm a bad-looking guy. Man, I think I can get on TV <laughs> and uh, you know, articulate fights and whatnot. So, right. you know, uh, maybe later on down the road once uh, you know, I'm probably towards the end of my career. But uh, right now, I just want to focus on fighting and uh you know, you know, I guess if they offer me a guest, a guest appearance or whatnot, you know, I'll, I'll take it. But you know, not something I'm pursuing at this moment. Right, you got your focus well placed. So the bond you have with your wife Yasmin, I know you talked a lot about it in, in a documentary I watched this morning. I, I, how much does that support and sort of the, the having this mutual goal with her and and your family sort of help keep you focused and, and keep you you know able to pursue what you know. It's a selfish thing, you know. I talk to a lot of fighters, man. It's hard, right? You got to be about this, and sometimes if you don't have that support system, uh, it's easier said than done. Yeah, well, she's kind of the catalyst for my career, to be honest with you. Mm. You know, she's the one. I was working a, a full time job, and uh, you know, she just saw, you know, how, you know, I would come home, I'd be tired, I'd go straight from work to the gym, so I would get up and leave the house at four thirty in the morning, and then not come home until ten o'clock at night, and you know, she just saw how tough that kind of lifestyle is. And she said, you know, why don't you just take two years? You know, you're not a spring chicken. You know, you're already 25. You know, why don't you take two years, see what you can do in the sport? And, uh, man, you can always go back to work if it doesn't work out. So yeah. uh, she 100% bought in. She, you know, she does all my, uh, all my meals, the dietary nutrition stuff. She takes care of all that for me. So as long as I eat only what she, uh, what she prepares – Making weight has been a breeze, um, and you know, if it weren't for her, then you know, I probably wouldn't be uh, here right now. To be honest with you, you know, I'd be working a job and you know, yeah. managing a bunch of other stuff. So my only responsibility, literally, is to 
train, and that's it. So uh, she takes care of everything at home, and, uh, man, she's really been a godsend. Well, the results certainly speak to that commitment that she has with you and you to the sports. You guys have two boys, is that right, two sons? Yeah, she has a, a son from a previous uh, relationship, as do I. So she's got one, I got one, so we got two. So if they want to be mixed martial artists, football players, all of that is okay with you or not necessarily? Um, you know, if they wear their own shoes, you know, if they want to yeah. play soccer, go for it. You know, uh, I'd prefer them not to play football, but, you know, yeah. it's, you know it's what they want to do. And, uh, right. you know, right now they do jujitsu and they train mixed martial nice. arts. They don't spar. They don't, you know, punch each other or not, but. Uh, they certainly wrestle and do jujitsu and compete in jujitsu tournaments and whatnot. And they both seem to have a healthy appetite for the sport and, and, and love it. So, you know, uh, should they continue down this path, if, you know, mixed martial arts is what they want to do, then, uh, you know, by the time they're 16 or 17, you know, my, my, my oldest, uh, he's been in the gym with me since he was two years old. So by that wow. time, he will have had 14 years of, of training. So, you know, if he wants to get in there and, and fight, then perfect. Uh, and the younger one, uh, he started training uh, about three or four years ago. So he'll have plenty of experience training uh, and will, you know, have simulate. They get out there, they, they, they do hill sprints with me. You know, <laughs> That's I don't awesome. ask him to do that, you know. So, you know, my wife drives me to the hills and, you know, we run and they run too. So, you know, they're bought in as well. So if, if that's something they want to do, then, you know, I'm all for it. Well, exciting times, man, for the Anders family. I think 2018 shaping up as a big year for you. It all begins this Saturday night on FS1 in the main event against Lyoto Machida. We won't be in Brazil. We will certainly be watching. Now, will you be flying back during the Super Bowl, uh, or are you staying? How, how's your travel working out on the back end? No, man, it's, it's a long trip, man. It took us like a day and a half just to get here. Right. You know, so uh, as soon as the fight's over, I think my flight leaves it's uh, 11, 11 o'clock in the morning, so um, yeah, I'm probably going to miss the Super Bowl. So, you know, I mean, it's not – I'm not going to cry about it, you know. I'm just going to come uh, out here, get this victory, and enjoy the fight home. Do you, have, do you have a lean one way or the other? Eagles are getting four and a half points now against the Patriots. Who do you think raises the Lombardi? Man, I think it's, it's very difficult to beat uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in a game of that magnitude. You know, you saw yeah. last year they were down like 24 points or something outrageous like that. And then they yeah. came back, you know, uh, you can't ever count Tommy B and Billy B out. Well, you know, we like hearing that noise. Eric Anders here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Wish you all the best against Lyoto this weekend. Safe trip home, man. And we'll, we'll continue to track your every move, man. We appreciate you breaking away here, especially during fight week. And uh, we wish you all the best on Saturday. Hey, my pleasure. Take care, folks. All right, there he is, Eric Anders, with us on the Anik and Florian podcast. Smart football guy back in Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But, (laughs) you know, I don't like to always come out and say in a leading way, you're not going to let your fucking sons play football, Eric, are you? Right? Mm -hmm. You know how dangerous that game is. But you notice I don't even have to lead him there. And he's saying I'd prefer if my kids don't play football if they want to go be pro MMA fighters. Perfect. Right? I'm telling you. Like – I have girls, right? Ken Flo's going to have a daughter here in a few weeks. I, I Obviously, we have huge opportunities for women now in mixed martial arts. But, dude, I would gladly let my kids go be fighters. But if I had a son, like, there's no way I could let him play football. You know, unless yeah. 
somehow he got my wife's jeans or he was like, you know, played O line or something, you know, but I don't know, man, car crash on every play. And, you know, you heard it kind of there subtly from Eric Anders, you know. Well, no, that's the thing. And even now, you know, a lot of the experts are saying if you're going to, if you're going to let your child play football, wait till they're in high school, you know, don't have them, right. you know, at, at when their brain is still developing, just ramming it into another kid's head, um, you know, leading up to their career. It, it's it's just not a good idea. I, I, you know, again, football is brutal on the body. There's no doubt about that. And, and obviously we all know about the effects on the brain and. Um, no, 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 bueno. I wouldn't want my kid to to play football either, man. So I didn't play football, but football was always a big part of our lives. We were Patriot season ticket holders with my grandfather all throughout the eighties and early nineties when the Pats were the laughing stock of the NFL. It is the, the family sport, right? Uh, my mom is absolutely nuts about the new England Patriots, but every time I find out I'm having a girl, right? I mean, every time I, one of the first things I think about, you call me a little twisted, one of the first things I think about, though, is, well, at least I don't have to have that football conversation, you know, <laughs> because I, I ingest enough NFL football to know uh, that there's a car crash on every play. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, you hear us calling fights and, oh, you know, when I'm watching football, I'm like hiding under the couch because every play there's just a nasty, yeah. nasty uh, collision. All right. Back to the guest line now joining us. UFC lightweight contender, UFC commentator, lifelong Philadelphia sports fan can still hear the the damn accent in his voice the irish dragon paul felder is with us p money what's the good word what's up guys so uh so i know you're leaving to brazil are you going tomorrow i leave wednesday wednesday okay so of course wednesday. the first time your eagles are in the super bowl since 2004 uh, you gotta be in brazil dude. um what what are you gonna do well, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to still figure this out. But I was talking to Brandon Fitzgerald and, and some of the guys. We think with the way our layover in Sao Paulo on the way back is going to work out, we think we can catch most of the at least the first half of the game. And then okay. from there, hopefully, when I'm in the, on the plane, I can get Wi-Fi and at least keep track of where the score is at, or hopefully the pilot will, will keep oh. track. I, I, I don't know. All right. So I'm just going to throw this out there to you. I. My mom does not want you at our house, okay? Full disclosure. But there is a flight. There is a flight, Paul. There's a flight on Azul Airlines for $569, okay? It is a direct flight from Belang, Brazil to Fort Lauderdale. It leaves Belang at 1.30. It lands in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at 5.30 p.m., which would get you to my house unless customs holds you up. You do look like a dangerous man. But that would get you to my house probably five or seven minutes into the first quarter. So, I felt like I wasn't being a good friend if I didn't at least throw that out there. Yeah, that's – is it too late, though, to, to book that flight is the question. It's $569 on Orbitz this morning. So see what you can do. Really? Um, don't wake my daughters if you come. I mean, I'm nervous <laughs> to watch it with an Eagles fan, but it is out there. So you might as well at least look into it when we're done, my friend, okay? Man, but I don't know. Me and you might – we may get into a fist fight. Is that, that's <laughs> entirely possible, don't you think? <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I don't like my chances in a fist fight with the most powerful lightweight on the roster. And it can so, bite, uh, Paul. 
And it can bite. He can I bite with the can. best I of think he can scrap more than he gives himself yeah. credit for. You know what I mean? I think he's <laughs> quiet, I'm better drunk, he and, and the tequila will be flowing. But, uh, well, we'll see. I just want to throw it out. I'm not, like, dying to watch the game with you, bro. But uh, I think it would be a little bit fun. Too, so. uh, listen, Pa, I oh, think Annick's got a solid five seconds against you, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I think five seconds he right? can last. Listen, he's got the true street fight cardio in him. <laughs> it's like, I'm going hard as, and fast as I possibly can. And if I catch you, I catch you. If I don't, I'm Done. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, there is an actual fight that you got coming up uh, against Ali at Quinta. When you were uh, at Fox last time, you know, there were, you guys were talking about maybe uh, getting it on. It's it finally happening. Um, th- this fight has been made, man. What do you think? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm beyond excited for this fight. It, glad whatever ha- had to happen with him, you know, he got his new deal or whatever is going on with him. I don't care what he had to do and what's going on. You know, he, he played hardball and he, he got what he wanted, but the fight is signed. I know that he signed his contract. I signed my contract. We're on an amazing card. We're in Brooklyn. We're close to my hometown. We're definitely close to his hometown. I'm going to have a lot of support there. You know, some Philadelphia music already that I can come out to and just, I don't care what that crowd thinks. I'm coming in Philly strong for that one. And I'm going <laughs> to let him know which is the tougher city, Long Island or South Philadelphia. He's going to know <laughs> it real quick. Now, as tough as Iaquinta is, does it make you a little nervous that, you know, he's had some injuries that, that have prevented him from competing? Does, it, does that make you nervous preparing for this fight? Yeah, that's the only thing. that I, I don't think at this point with, with how he worked the deal out with the UFC, um, you know, I, and he's even admitted it. That it's a fight that he can get excited about, just the style that we both have. But I know he's had some things like that, and he's been out for a little while, so he's got to start really pushing the pace the closer we get to this fight. So I'm hoping that he can stay healthy. I hope the UFC at least has somebody in mind in case he gets injured. Not that he's going to pull out uh, because, you know, he's just going to pull some ally Quinta stuff. I think he's over that. He's got his contract. He wants to fight. Now it's a matter of hopefully he is 100% healed up from any injuries that he has. Paul Felder with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. You obviously had to deal with that circumstance prior to your last fight, and you were able to stay on the card and get Charles Oliveira out of there. I mean, are you just sort of adopting a mentality that one way or another I am going to fight in Brooklyn, and if Al isn't the guy, at least I'll somehow be able to move <laughs> yeah. things forward? Yeah, yeah, I don't care. I mean, if it if it gets down to the wire and, and something happens to, to, to him, I, I'm 100% going to keep keep fighting. I'm one of those guys. I'm not going to be like, Oh, well, I'm going to wait till he heals up and, and fight. No, no way. I'm, if I'm, if I'm going away to Milwaukee, living, you know, in a basement and training three, four times a day and cutting all this weight, I'm getting in there and throwing down and, and getting my paycheck. So you are obviously a big 155 pound fighter. You have never missed weight, even though I know there's nothing easy about it. There's been so much discourse over the last several weeks about fighters missing weight and staring death in the face and seizing and convulsing, making this weight. I would imagine guys like you maybe don't have a lot of sympathy for guys who are undisciplined and maybe don't handle those final few weeks as well as they should. Yeah, you hit it on the head there, man. I don't. Um, I feel bad for them health-wise that, you know, they had to go through any of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I feel bad for their opponents more than anything a lot of the time. Um, It's one thing if you slip and fall uh, and hurt, you know, and get hurt. Everybody gets dizzy and those accidents happen. But when you're, you know, depleting yourself to the point of, um, you know, not being able to make weight or – or just not making it whatsoever and and it's because you were just not – 
disciplined during your camp. I cut a lot of weight, but I don't cut it all in the last week's camp. You see me right. through the last couple of weeks. I'm a miserable mother effort because <laughs> I'm on such a strict diet. I'm on a high fat diet. I'm not eating a lot of carbohydrates. I'm water loading like crazy. I'm doing the salt, you know, you know, balancing my salt correctly. So when I cut it out, the water comes off of me. I'm doing all those things correctly. I'm hiring people and talking to people so that it's, I, I cut a ton of weight, but it's not all in water at the last three days of right. uh, fight week. All right, I'm only going to keep you a few more minutes because so, yeah, I, I know so it is fight when, week when for you, happens, uh, I, and you I, have I this fight coming up between Eric week. Anders and Lyoto Machida. So we had Anders on today. There's no betting line yet. We're sort of proceeding as if Anders is going to be the favorite. I know you've probably broken this thing down extensively. Your thoughts on what we might see out of Anders and Machida this weekend on FS1? Yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy because we were joking around that when he called out Machida, I'm like, ah, there's no way this guy's going to get that fight yet. Right. And what, a week later, he's the main event um, against Leota Machida, who's an absolute legend. But he's a big, strong, super athletic guy. And if he keeps sharpening his skills up and can touch Leota, we've seen him go down way too many times later in his career now. He hasn't quite looked the same, unfortunately. This, Leota is one of my absolute all-time heroes in MMA coming up. He's the reason yeah. I pretty much decided to train, you know, go from karate uh, into mixed martial arts and do that all kind of, you know. Wow. So to see him at the tail end of his career is kind of uh, exciting and, and sad at the same time. I'm hoping that he at least puts on a great show and maybe he can pull it off and, and get the knockout in his hometown. But um, he's got a big test in front of him in, in Anders, who is just, you know, a freak athlete. All right, final thing. I know you and your brothers are diehard Philadelphia Eagles fans, and they have not won a pro football championship since 1960. I mentioned last Super Bowl was 2004. I think for a lot of Eagles yeah. fans, they're excited that they're staring down the barrel at Brady and Belichick because it gives them an opportunity to not just win a Super Bowl, but to do it against a dynasty. Um, they're getting four and a half points right now. They are the underdog. I give them a great chance to win this football game. We're going to give our predictions later in the show. How confident are you that Nick Foles can put together back-to-back -to -back games, that this team can go score 30 points and uh, parade through the streets of Philadelphia? <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident because they, they seem very confident. They want yeah. it. And you just, there's a sense about them right now. They're wearing the dog masks. They're giving, every radio show that you listen to here in Philly is giving away dog masks. The underdog, this, we're embracing this Philly underdog. And, you know, Stallone posted that awesome picture of him and Drago in the jerseys. And he's like, we know how this one ended up. And it's just, I mean, people are buzzing like crazy. Everybody is wearing their gear every single day walking around the streets. I see random people that are wearing an Eagles thing, and I'm just like, go, birds, just random strangers, <laughs> and we all are kind yeah. of bonding together over this. I think um, I think if there was a year to do it, it's this year because of the circumstances, because it's a Philly team, and of course we don't have wins. Of course it's not going our way. Of course the circumstances aren't stacked in our favor. That's when I think we're the strongest as a city and as, as a football team. So I, I'm very confident that they can go in there and, and fight tooth and nail and scratch their way to winning that Super Bowl. Well, if it happens, I'll, I'll be crying in my frosted flakes, but I'll be very happy for you sincerely. I know how much you guys put into the team. I just got to stop shouting out this fan base on Twitter because people did not Bro, seem to think that this was gonna an incredible. You're going to get killed. You're going to get killed on some street somewhere. <laughs> 
Not, not by an Eagles fan, but man, people hate our fans, and I'm loving every second of it. I can't retweet enough hate that you're getting on Twitter because <laughs> yeah, yeah. of how bad people hate our fans. I just keep retweeting it and putting smiley faces and little whiny faces. It's like, <laughs> I'll just stop crying. You know what I mean? All right, well, I, I do wish your Eagles all the best, and uh, I hope you have a great call this Saturday night. Get home safely, and uh, if you need my address, man, just text me, and uh, and I'll see you Sunday night. If not, all the best, and we appreciate the time, man. I will. You know what? I'm, I'm going to look into that. As soon as I'm done training today, it. I'm going to go look online, and I'm going to look into that. I'm going to text you. Send me that link. I'm going I'm to tweet, tweet Annick's address to you right now. <laughs> no one will know. Yeah. Hey, thank tell you, man. Meet me. we'll, we'll all meet there. Me and I tell all the Philadelphia <laughs> yeah. fans, here's his, here's his address. We're yeah. coming to watch the game. <laughs> Have a good trip, dude. Thank you, guys. Great talking to you, man. <laughs> there he is, the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder. He fights Ally Quinto, of course, in April in Brooklyn, New York. So here's my former colleague, Chris Carter, now on FS1. Okay. Yes, I used to do man. recaps of all the NFL games with my man, Chris Carter. I had him use a green Sharpie to sign this Philadelphia Eagles card. At the time, he couldn't sign it HOF, but we knew that was coming. He only knew me as the don't text and drive guy because he said, what if someone catches you texting and driving? You better stop saying that on TV. But uh, for Paul Felder and Brian Stanton, for Chris Carter, a lot of good Eagles fans out there. I went to college in Pennsylvania. So uh, not that I feel torn here by any stretch of the imagination, but this is going to be an emotional one for me because most of my good friends support this, this Philadelphia Eagles. Last time Felder was at Fox, he, he brought everyone like a a Philly Eagles little, little, you know, those like footballs, those little mini footballs. Yeah. You know, see, he's, he's definitely a rabid fan. Um, I have since given that football away. Uh, Yes, you have. I think I burned it. I had a ceremonial burn of the football, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. What a tool given everybody. Yeah. Paul. Yeah, you're real nice, Paul. Yeah. Uh, give me a minute to tell you about Mattress Firm, if you would. Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. Well, so does Mattress Firm, except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's Neighborhood Mattress Store. It's a true home run, and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this. They're more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and decor, they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. So go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout if you will. Score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. Mattressfirm.com slash podcast. So a few more things on Charlotte before we spin this thing forward to Anders and Machida this weekend in Belang. We talked about Jacare Souza. I'm not sure how much more there is on that. I know Dominic Cruz was sort of thinking maybe Derek Brunson needs to spar a little bit more. And even though he feels very confident, Kenny, in his training in Wilmington, North Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia, this is a full-time dad. His daughters live with him full-time. And you hear so many fighters talk about centering everything else around fighting or Tom Brady talk about football as the epicenter of his life and sacrificing things when it comes to the children. Derek Brunson lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, 30 months of his life. And there was a time when he did make the ultimate sacrifice. He might still be one of the best workers in this middleweight division. I'm not saying anything about his work ethic, but the center of his life is his daughters. And you can argue that that's not ideal for a professional mixed martial arts athlete. Uh, It's certainly difficult. Uh, It's something that I was very fortunate when I was fighting that I didn't have 
so many other things going on. And, and I think fighting is one of those things because it entails so much skill building, so much work. Um, you, you do have to be selfish. I mean, you have to be selfish as a professional athlete uh, no matter what, but particularly a sport where you're constantly learning. Uh, I mean, there's no one out there that I've seen that is a master of mixed martial arts. Everyone has a weakness or series of weaknesses. That means you need to turn those weaknesses into strengths. Uh, and the only way you do right. that is by being on the mat, training all the time uh, and getting the best training uh, you can afford. Uh, so th th that's a very difficult thing. But you know what? At the end, it, it comes down to priorities. And Derek Brunson, having a family, having daughters that he has to take care of, that's his priority. And, and sometimes you don't always get that balance right. If you want to be successful as a fighter, as a father, you, you don't always get it just right. So um, a, a difficult thing to juggle, I, I imagine. <clears throat> and, of course, for Souza, the, the same thing can be said, yeah. right? He uprooted his family to Orlando, left Joe Sewell Distic and all the ex-gym guys. And again, we talked a lot about that narrative leading into the fight and whether or not that might rear its ugly head in a negative way for, mm -hmm. for Jacare, but it certainly didn't do that. Um, but, you know, it, it, we'll see how Brunson can can bounce back. I still think he's one of the best athletes in this division. And, and you see what he does, Kenny, to to the guys who aren't in this top 10. I mean, just ruins them in a couple minutes. You mm -hmm. know, he's still one of the more decorated knockout artists this division has ever seen. So we'll see if he can get back. And I think for Souza, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to be in that mix of Whitaker, Romero, and Rockhold for his next fight. You would think the Jacare Weidman fight has legs as well. So maybe that would be I an agree. eliminator to allow the Whitaker, Romero, Rockhold situation to sort itself out. But nonetheless, Big weekend for Jacare Souza. Too bad uh, we didn't do a better number on Fox and more people didn't see it. All right, Gregor Gillespie against Jordan Rinaldi. And I, I'm, I'm trumping the co-main event and starting with this one, Kenny. I know it was a quick fight, and I know a disappointing one for Jordan Rinaldi, who is an absolutely huge lightweight. He was competing in his native Charlotte, North Carolina. But this Gillespie is a real problem, Kenny. And as someone who fought for the belt three times in this division, I guess I'm just curious – the level of competition being what it has been up to this point, how high is the ceiling for a guy who, at least to my amateur eyes, looks the part of a future contender, if not champion? Well, physically, um, he's an impressive individual. Um, he's a guy who's not going to quit. He's a guy who's not going to get tired either. He's going to stay on you. Um, certainly a fearless fighter as well. So as far as the mental component uh, to Gregor Gillespie, uh, that cannot be questioned. Uh, he definitely has the recipe to be a champion when it comes to that aspect. Um, Skill-wise, does he need to improve? Absolutely. He's still a little bit early in his career. I think he just needs to make smarter decisions, and I think we saw that smarter decision play out here against Rinaldi. Um, I, I think that, uh, it, not that he couldn't strike with someone like Jordan Rinaldi, but he knew that uh, you know he would have the, the big advantage on the ground. Um, he just walked right through Rinaldi, you know, mounting him at ease, taking his back, flattening him out, landing heavy ground and pound, um, yeah. and, and taking the fight where, uh, you know, there was the, the path of least resistance. I thought that was a smart approach. We're starting to see that maturity and development uh, of a guy, guy like Gregor Gillespie. So I, I'm excited to see his future. I think he's a guy that will definitely break into the top 10 uh, in the near future, probably for 2018. Yeah, it's crazy to hear wrestlers talk about him and those who watch college wrestling to talk about what he was able to accomplish at Edinburgh University, 152 career win, school record, uh, three national or four-time All-American. National, national champion, champion as a freshman, his first year, yeah. which is unbelievable. Insane. 
And again, he has always been a guy who has been better on fight night than he is in the gym. But he says that's been one difference between his wrestling career and his MMA career that now he, he is training better than he ever did as a wrestler. He's not using his training camp to get into shape. So excited to see where Gregor Gillespie can go from here. Uh, the co-main event was Andre Feely and Dennis Bermudez. I thought it was an entertaining fight. I thought it was a strategic one for Feely. Secured four of his eight takedown attempts, and that got him the split decision win. 29-28 times two. The dissenting judge had it 30-27 to for Dennis Bermudez. I always throw out my scorecard when I'm calling the fight, Kenny. I did think Dennis Bermudez won this fight two yeah. rounds to one. I just thought I understand that that he didn't succeed on his takedown attempts, but it really wasn't as big a part of his game plan as it was for Feely. Um, but like, are we giving Bermudez any credit for the calf kicks in this fight for chop? Like, I just I don't know, man. I, I'm not saying this is a robbery. I thought it was a close fight. I hope people aren't sensitive when we give our opinions. Um, but I had the best seat in the house and I really thought Dennis Bermudez did enough to get his hand raised. Do you agree? You disagree? I absolutely agree with you. Um, Andre Philly fought a, a pretty good fight and I thought the takedowns were very impressive hitting them against Dennis Bermudez, who I thought would have um, a big advantage there. Was not the case. Philly did an amazing job counter-wrestling uh, and trying to keep Bermudez on the outside, but I do agree. I had a 29-28 for Bermudez. I thought he won the first uh, round. I thought he won the third round. Mm -hmm. I think you need to look at anytime you get a, a, a semi-close fight like this you, you have to look at who's initiating the action and I think that that's kind yes. of one of the things that they look at in boxing in any kind of the con any type of the combat sports you have to look at who is initiating the action um, and who is successful in that range and Bermudez was doing both really in that first round and he did that right. as well in the third I thought that uh, Feely with his takedowns in the second with the, with his ability to control uh, and land some strikes from the outside. I thought he won the second round. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunate result for Bermudez, who now is uh, on, on a little bit of a fight skid there. Uh, a guy who a lot of people thought would fight for the belt one day um, is struggling in this division. And, again, I think the featherweight division is the second most difficult division in the UFC after, after lightweight. So um, a lot of fantastic fighters there. Um, Feely, uh, you know, again, he didn't rob this one. It was a close fight. Yeah. Um, you know, so props to him. Uh, he is a tough guy and a guy who really believes in himself right now. And because of that, he's a dangerous fighter. And obviously, uh, all the coaches over at Team Alpha Male doing a fantastic job with him. Yeah. No, I agree with everything you just said. And in terms of the scoring, and you hear us say it every UFC show, Scoring is based upon effective striking and grappling. So you stop there. The only way, the only reason you would go to aggression or octagon control is if you can't determine a winner based upon effective striking and grappling. So even in that third round, Kenny, right? Mm -hmm. If you thought that Bermudez was the more effective striker and, and Healy <coughs> was the more effective grappler, and you thought that that maybe canceled each other out, and I disagree. I thought that Bermudez got that third round for me. Then you go to aggression, and to your point, right? I think for Bermudez, it's very frustrating when you feel like you're the guy pushing the action, right? And you're losing because of reactive takedowns. You know, it's a tricky, tricky thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and and also, what did he really do with those takedowns in the third round? Bermudez just got right back to his feet. So right. um, I, some questionable judging. Again, this is something that we will continue to struggle with uh, as this sport moves forward. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. very, very uh, tough result there for Bermudez. 
All right, so Andre Feely gets the win in the co-main event. We mentioned Gregor Gillespie. Fight of the night was Drew Dober and Frank Camacho um, living up to the, the offensive hype in that main card slot on Fox. Also, congratulations to Bobby Green. Thought he looked great against Eric Koch and Mursad Bektik, a bonus winner as well for his TKO of Godofredo Pepe with that beautiful right hand uh, to the midsection. So that puts a book on Charlotte. The UFC shows, of course, keep on coming. It's Belang Brazil this weekend for UFC Fight Night. Machida versus Anders. To that end, let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, Team Anik led Team Florian 4-2 going into UFC. Charlotte, Paulie O'Neill repping the Weed Zillions went head-to-head with Ken Flo. So Kenny got Paul on the Dober-Camacho fight. It was all Paulie the rest of the way, though. He had Jacare Souza, Gregor Gillespie, and then he had Andre Feely as an underdog. And for you, that Bermudez Feely fight, man, that's a three-point swing. Instead of getting a plus one, the other guy gets two. Um, uh, so the, the fans are killing me. The fans are killing me, Anik. They're going, listen, Florian, you suck at calling fights yeah. now. What's going? It's not. It hasn't been the strongest uh, starts uh, uh, for me for this year. But I, I think it happened last year. Last couple years, I kind of, I'm a little slow to start, and then once I get going, yes. you know, it's kind of yes. my mo. Yep, that is. It certainly <laughs> was last year, and then you sort of mop the floor with us. We tried to make uh, it as competitive as we could down the stretch, but. You know, I don't make the rules. Actually, I do make the rules, but we agree right. on them. Team Anik wins the week 4-1, uh, extending the lead to 8-3, to three, going into UFC Belang. Let's fucking go. Join us to make picks today. One of the top welterweight amateurs, Ken Flo, mm. in the state of North Carolina. He was born in South Carolina, not all that far from where Clark and Kenny got married. in nice. So I met this guy actually at a restaurant after the fight Saturday night. So big f- fan of the podcast, good amateur fighter. Will, is it Coggin or Kogan, Will? Uh, you had it right the first time, John Coggin. Will Coggin is with us. It's good to have you on today, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great to be on. Uh, Kenny, I'm a, a longtime fan of yours. I still got a team Kim flow where team Florian shirt in my closet, but, uh, not going to not gonna give you any gimmies this week, despite all the kind <laughs> words towards John team. Oh, come on, man. I'm having a rough couple so, of weeks here with the picks. Thanks, dude. So, Will, you, your last amateur fight was in September, if my research serves correct. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I uh, certainly didn't expect you to, to do that much How research. How about it, Will? But, How about um, it? it? It was. It was, man. Ah, not I mean, my best I'm performance, pre- but, uh, pre- you know, I, pre- I dabble. This is what happens when you're not good at sticking ball sports, I guess. <laughs> Well, Ken Flo is okay, but I, I, your point is well taken. But no, I'm, I'm prepping for the Anakin Florin podcast by Googling Will Coggin. I, I didn't want to shortchange you today. <laughs> um, and, and hopefully you keep it going undefeated as an amateur. But we got to make some picks right now. So two picks today, and then we'll do three quick, quick picks, time permitting, on the back end. Let's start with this co-main event here. You can see it this Saturday night on FS1 at Bantamweight. John Dodson, Pedro Munoz. So no odds yet. So we'll proceed as if Dodson is the slight favorite. We can certainly change that uh, if need be once the line opens. Dodson coming off a split decision loss to Marlon Marais back in November. Still, I think, a force to be reckoned with here at Bantamweight. Same can be said for Pedro Munoz. He submitted Rob Font back in October. And I think you can argue, and I will, that that, look, that win now looks even better given what Rob Font was able to do against Munoz's countryman, Thomas Almeida. So it is Dodson and Munoz in the co-main event this weekend, Will, who gets it done? 
Right. So uh, the, the long and short of it is um, Pedro has kind of flown under the radar. Dodson's dropped uh, two of his last three, albeit, you know, by split decision. But uh, Pedro does a great job cooking his opponents with pressure. Uh, he does get square in the pocket, you know, when he is attacking, but he's vicious. He attacks the body, he attacks the legs, and he's got great smooth transitions um, attacking the neck. And uh, he scrambles well. So uh, Dodson has the advantage with timing, speed, and footwork. But I, I think that Pedro is going to get this done, man. I think he can, uh, he can negate some of that movement and some of the timing with the leg kicks and body shots. He pulls off a big win at home here. Good insight there from Will Kenny, and I do believe it's an interesting stylistic matchup here for John Dodson. Might even get the underdog points as well, potentially, depending on where this betting line is. What do you think, Flo? Munoz, Dodson, which way are you going? You know, I thought that was an excellent breakdown by Will. Um, I'm going to go with Munoz. I, I, I'm going to go with Munoz as well. I, I think his ability to fight in his home country, to pressure Dodson, um, it gives him the advantage. And I think, yes, Dotson has, uh, you know, the footwork and speed advantage. He also has that overhand left that he throws extremely well that Munoz has to be very careful with. Um, but I, I think Munoz is going to be able to um, win some scrambles on the ground. I think he's going to find a way to get this fight to the mat, uh, mix things up, pressure Dotson, uh, and get the win by decision. All right, main event, we're going to proceed as if Eric Anders is the slight favorite against Lyoto Machida. Not sure how pronounced it'll be. Machida's certainly the bigger name, but in terms of the current form, advantage Anders, he's 10-0, seven finishes. Most of you know the book on Lyoto Machida, former UFC champion. This will be his 23rd UFC appearance. He has been finished in three straight. Now, granted, there was an 18-month suspension in there, but the ledger reads, last win December 2014 against C.B. Dalloway. And it's a quick turnaround here for Lyoto Machida after the knockout loss to Derek Brunson in late October. So this is the main event. Will will need the round and the method of victory. Who is the prediction for the headliner in Belay? All right. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with what we think is going to be the favorite here. And, and for what I think is good reason, I think Anders is going to get it done by TKO in the second round. Uh, your boy might have one of the worst nicknames in the UFC, <laughs> but he can fight his ass off. So um, when, when I look at the fight, man, uh, he has, I think, for the middleweight division, some of the best ring or cage cutting and awareness. And uh, he's great in the clinch. He uses frames well to create distance for his strikes. And he has really good head position. Um, he's a southpaw that's, I mean, he's just a beast of an athlete. Uh, he's, you know, the national champ at Alabama. And he's transferred, you know, what he learned in football to, to lateral movement and uh, good footwork. So he does these small things well. He translates them into his ground and pound. Good with far side arm traps, stays hip to hip against the fence when his opponent turtles. Um, Machida's great. He's a champion for a reason, but like you touched on, he's kind of become chinny, and uh, I don't think his movement's going to surprise a seasoned athlete like Anders here. I think this podcast is going to be the Florian and Coggin podcast in a couple it weeks. It breaks it down well, I'll tell you that. He does his homework. Which way are you going, boss? Um, listen, I, I got to agree with Will here again. No controversy here. I, I think that. Um, you know, Eric Anders really nailed it earlier when we were interviewing him, uh, saying that, you know, um, the athletic skills, the, the, the speed component, the footwork component um, was a big part of Machida's game. As you get older, that tends to leave you. That's one of the early things that, that leave you in the career, uh, in your career. And I think for Machida, he doesn't quite have that same kind of um, sense of urgency that he had in the past. He doesn't have that same kind of speed. Uh, or power, um, I, I think Anders is going to be able to make it a nasty fight. I think that's what he needs to do. He needs to get, a, get away from being as technical here in this fight against Machida, make it a yeah. brawl, um, get in the pocket, um, and, and 
and landed one of those big shots on Machida. Uh, Machida I think Anders gets the win here. You go on TKO, submission, and uh, around. If you want the extra point, if not, we are fine with that, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's go with uh, let's go with uh, knockout in round one. All right, TKO, round one for Eric Anders, the official pick for the flow. Don't tell his buddy Machida that he went round one, if you're listening. I know. Uh, all right, quick picks here on the way out. Kicking off the main card at middleweight. Good fight here. Tiago Mahetta Santos, Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Both guys have won three straight. Will, you going with Santos or Smith? I like Smith, man. He's going to keep the momentum off his uh, last big win on Lombard here. All right, Will's going with the American Ken Flo. Are you going with Mahetta or Anthony Smith? I'm going to go with Santos, actually. Uh, okay. Anthony Smith is very resilient, but I think Santos gets the win. All right, next up at lightweight, Michelle Prezadish versus Desmond Green. Michelle Prezadish is 23-2. and two. He's won five in a row, last two by North-South Choke. What does a guy have to do to get a number next to his name? I'm not exactly sure. Will, you like Prezadish here, or are you going with Desmond Green in the upset? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Prezadish. Uh, Kenny's probably going to pick me apart from my ter- terrible pronunciation there, but uh, this guy's talented, man, also kind of flying under the radar. Yeah, man, 23-2, and two, kid. What do you think, Kenny, Prezadish or Desmond Green? No, you got it. You got it, Will. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think Prezadish gets the win. Uh, I was really impressed when we called his debut back in the day in Brazil. Uh, yeah. I think Prezadish uh, goes on to, to get the win here. Guy's built like a goddamn fire hydrant. He's got All right, some feature muscle. Bout. <laughs> feature bout here, guys, at Flyweight. I'll give you a little bit of background. So Valentina Shevchenko. Back for the first time since she went five rounds uh, in what was a Bantamweight title fight against Amanda Nunes last September. That was a split decision loss. One of the judges thought she beat Amanda. So here she draws the newcomer Brazilian Priscilla Cachoeira. Cachoeira undefeated 8-0. So her first three pro fights went the, the full 15 minutes. Since, though, she has knockouts in four of her last five. So in theory... As the competition has improved, so has Cachoeira. I think she is starting to really develop. The question is, I mean, Will, you can't take her against Shevchenko. Um, or can you? Because maybe the betting line figures to be pretty pronounced. No, man, it's too early. I'm not going to fuck this up for Team Anik. But uh, they're throwing her to the wolves here, man. I mean, yeah. you know, she's got some momentum behind her. But she's only been fighting for less than two years with one amateur fight. I think this is too much too soon, and Valtina just keeps uh, building her uh, her way up to another shot at the belt. See, Kenny, depending on what the line is, right, as we talked about Jordan Rinaldi last week, I mean, maybe you don't want to make that mistake twice, right? But, like, if, if Cachoeira, you know, it might be like a six-pointer versus getting right. one for Shevchenko, all of that said. I'd imagine Valentina is the pick for you, sir. Yeah. Uh, don't I'll text you if it's like plus 675 or something. Yes. Don't go chasing Cachoeiras. Cachoeira in Brazil <laughs> means waterfall. Uh, I'm, I'm not oh, going to really? go. Um, yeah, it good. does. I'm not going to go with the waterfall here, though. Uh, I'm going to go. I mean, how do I pick against Valentina Shevchenko? She's right, an amazing right. striker. Uh, this other girl likes to strike. I think Shevchenko really doesn't. Her, her defense is, is really solid. She really doesn't put herself out there. And again, she's yeah. she's representing Peru, man. I mean, I got to go with Shevchenko. Got to go. He picks Enrique Barzola blindly as well. All right, yeah. Will Coggin, thank you for the time today, man. Thank you for, for coming up and introducing yourself in Charlotte. Pleasure to talk to you. You did a fine job today. We'll certainly have you back. And uh, keep us posted on the fighting career as well, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. And just want to give a quick shout out to the gym here in Charlotte, Team Rock. Um, Jordan Rinaldi, training partner, had a rough go of things, but um, the kid's a stud, man. He's going to be back. And uh, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Thanks so much.
Anytime, man. All right, Will Coggin on the main event Good challenge, repping Team Anik. Um, you guys can call Longo while you're doing that. Part of the main event challenge this week, Super Bowl predictions, and I just want to get this down for the record. So we're not going against the spread, Kenny. Just need to know for the record who you are picking to win the game, New England Patriots or the Philadelphia Eagles. If you pick the Eagles and they win, it's two points because they're the underdog. Mm-hmm. If you pick the Patriots, it's just one. Um, which way are you going? Well, maybe my football pick will be better than my MMA <laughs> picks lately. Uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Come on, man. You know yeah. this. You yeah. know right. this. So Kenny's going with the Patriots. I'm a little worried about this uh, Eagles defense, though, dude. They, these guys, they've been on fire in the playoffs. Um, obviously, extremely motivated. Um, but, uh, you know, in the big game, you think I'm going to yeah. pick against my Pats? Come on. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, I'm taking Philadelphia. I'm taking the five points, and uh, <laughs> I'll take the value here on the money line at plus 190. I don't feel good about it. I really right. hope to be wrong, but I, I just think they have the type of team that can score 30 points. They also have a head coach who understands he's not going to beat the Patriots by getting to 20, as the Jacksonville Jaguars did a few weeks ago. Right. Um, I think Philadelphia is very, very solid one through 45, and I think they're going to give the Patriots a close game, if not win it late. I like the kicker as well. Uh, all of that said... Let's go, Pats. All right, one final order of business. Ray Longo Minute. Let's get to it. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Ray Longo now joins us as he does every week. I apologize for keeping you on hold there for a few minutes. I, I was at the Charlotte Hornets game on, on Friday night, and... I was in a suite. I could see Weidman's scar all the way from the suite. He was sitting down on the floor. <laughs> yeah. uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, Dr. Baron von Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, oh, uh, so since we last spoke, a super fight has been announced. I'm not sure if you're okay with me calling it that, but the UFC heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic, is going to defend July 7th against the UFC light heavyweight champion, Daniel Cormier. And I think public opinion really differs as to how competitive this fight is going to be. We talked about it a little bit last week. Just wanted to open with that and get your thoughts on on your expectation for this heavyweight championship fight between Stipe and D.C. Oh, I definitely think it uh, qualifies as a super fight for sure. Yeah. Uh, you got two guys that are both pretty uh, dominant in what they do. And you got to remember, DC as a heavyweight, he was wrecking people at strike force, you know, before he came over. So uh, he's, you know, that might be his natural weight class anyway. So that's a, that's a really great fight. I think that was great that they put that together, especially the timing of it. They both came off, you know, really good wins together. So, uh, yeah, why not? You know, uh, pe- people were were up in arms. You were cur- criticizing Engano a little bit. What, what, what did you think about this, <laughs> Ray? People were well, you, know, uh, you, you know, I'll tell you, I'm glad, I forgot all about that, but I, I want to retouch on something. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up, Kenny. Yes. Are those army fatigues you have on? It, it, it's just a shirt, you know. Are little, you in the, are you just, in the reserves? I, you know, I go to these vintage shops every once in a while. I get I a know, cool shirt I'm here. I'm liking the look. <laughs> uh, you look like a Sandinista rebel right now. I do. Uh, I kind of look like a, if I had that hat on. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I oh, could yeah, look like that Castro, Fidel what, Castro. That, that's Castro. Right yeah, there. Give yeah, him, yeah. Give him Che nice Guevara, cigar. maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Give him a nice cigar <laughs> and that hat and uh, excellent stuff. You know what? I tell you, so let's get back to Wingano. Yes. I think I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to address it and I forgot about it already because I my mind is shut. <laughs> but uh, you know, first off, is the fight. 
I, the, I'm not taking away from the fight. I want to clarify one sure. thing. The fight was exciting. That's the first thing. And, and he could have ended that fight at any given point in time. But the question was posed at 170. I think what the point you were trying to make, if he didn't have the size factor, because right. as with that weight, anything can happen. Sure. With the skill set at a lower weight where size were taken out as a dominant factor, that was the problem. It was a really constructive criticism. Yeah. This guy's huge. If he puts the right work in, yeah, he could he could be a champion, this guy, if he shows the right mindset and he gets back into it. But, yeah, people went a little crazy. It wasn't – I think it was the 170-pound the thing tricked him. But I still enjoyed the fight. It was exciting. Stipe definitely had to be careful. I don't think anybody could take too many punches from this guy. And at that weight, those are the things that could happen. But if he doesn't have that size advantage and he's at 170 – I think it's pretty clear to see that he needs work in a couple of areas. That's all. That, right. that was that was it. I don't even think it was like harsh criticism. But yeah, we. I think we got. Was it me or was it both of us? That both. Got of, oh, both of us. Both of yeah. us got thrown under the. I mean, people were going nuts on tour. So I wanted to give you a, an opportunity yeah, to defend yeah, but you, yourself. You agree with that? I think that. Yeah. Was no. Absolutely. Like, exactly. Like I think at that size, you know, a guy's three hundred pounds. You can't stand there and get hit by the guy sure. swinging. But you know, if you think that's you know, proper technique swinging from your ass, then you got to, then it's a problem. We're not, we're not right. hating on the guy at all. Exactly. Exactly. And I tell you what, we're saying, get, get, get better. That's training. it. Just get yeah, better. Get better. Yeah. Period. You, yeah. there's the, I think if he, if he smarts that, it's that, what's that saying? Win or learn or whatever. He, he yeah. has to learn now and he has to go back. Right. And if he tightens up some stuff and he could definitely do it, uh, he seems like a physical specimen, uh, you know, that was it. And I mean, I, and I criticized his endurance because he really didn't have anything in the gas tank. And even with that being said, he could have still landed a punch and won that fight. Right. You know what I mean? So we're almost complimenting him also. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. That he's got right. that type of physicality that he could do that with a lesser skill set. Yep. Right. He I didn't mean, even so, fully. He didn't even yeah. fully connect against Alistair Overeem, and look what fucking happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it wasn't a so, thing. It's just like I think they they hyped him up a little prematurely. Yeah. And, yep. you know, that stuff, you know, that's where it gets crazy, man. Mentally, it breaks you down. You know, it's you've seen it happen with, like, uh, even Philippe Nova, who I, you know, I like. He's a great kid. But, you know, to say he's the next Anderson Silva, I don't even think he wants that said about himself. Right. You know what I mean? It right. put a lot of pressure right. on him. And then, you know, you got, you got to live up to that. And, you know, you know, the guys that I think deserve that are the guys that come in with the accolades. They're a division one, all American, you know, national champ or, you know, heavyweight boxing champ or, you know, tie boxing, you know, something that you could hang your hat on. And when you don't have any of those pedigrees, I think it's a big, you know, it's a big, big step to take to, to hype these guys up because then when they fall, they don't get it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they buy, sometimes they buy into their own press, and I don't even think it's fair to them, to be honest yeah. with you. Great point. So let's say Francis Ngannou beats Stipe, right? Then Daniel Cormier is staying at light heavyweight. Who knows what they do at heavyweight, right? But this sort of right. happened because the timing was right. Stipe beat Francis, and who knows? Maybe Kane wasn't ready. But if Daniel had stayed at light heavyweight, Ray, the next fight was going to be a rematch with Alexander Gustafson. In my opinion, no picnic at all. We've talked right. about that a little bit today. Do you think it's just an absolute slam dunk that the Stipe fight is more difficult for Daniel than a rematch with Gustafson would have been? Or is, you know, the Gustafson fight 
comparable? I mean, I know you know it's not without its dangers, but I'm getting killed for suggesting that maybe a Gustafson fight is just as dangerous, if not more so, than a Miocic fight would be for DC. Well, I mean, I think the difference, though, John, is that he's already been in there with Gustafson. You know what I mean? So there's that factor is gone. Stipe yeah. really yep. doesn't know until he gets in there. So you have that whole dynamic of, you know, the unexpected, you know, like what what could happen? We kind of know what happened the first fight. It was obviously a great fight. And Gustafson looks like he's made some adjustments. And you don't know, Daniel could be, look, Dan, the guy's he's a, he's a bad MF, man. This kid comes to yeah. fight. Love his mindset, and he might be happy and not making the weight. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to pull down on the towel. He doesn't, you know, he's going to do his thing. <laughs> so he might, he might be, be happy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, right. I'm not really sure how to answer that, but I think, uh, you know, in his mind, probably making the weight at this point is starting to really, yeah, get old. You know what I mean? I mean, he's not yep. a kid anymore, but obviously he's got the accolades and he's a disciplined guy. He's proven that in his past everything. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, Stipe's not a picnic, man. Stipe's in there. Yeah. To fight. I don't know. That's a, it's a great fight. I think they did the right thing by making that fight. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, no disrespect to Stipe Miocic. I've heard a lot of that. And, and I could have asked you in a more concise way. I just think it's a very interesting conversation. All right, I'll get you out on this. Does your NFL boycott end for the Super Bowl, or, or are you among the, the few Americans who will not be watching? No, I'll be, uh, I'll be in a private room saluting the flag for two hours <laughs> while those guys are playing. <laughs> now, I, 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 I don't think I'm going to be honest I'm going to hold oh. through. I'm, I'm, I'm weird. Right. I'm very weird. I, I need to see at least two years of these guys doing the national anthem with the right passion and the right pride before I go back to watching that sport. You, you're the best, man. That's why you're the greatest. America is just honored to have you as part of the citizenry. You know? <laughs> awesome. yeah, well, you know, I have to say that because I'm, I'm actually staring at little Fidel Castro right now. So I feel, uh, I feel, I feel like communism. Oh, that's hilarious. I, I feel the communism. Communism is coming, man. That's, I feel yeah. it coming through the FaceTime. Yeah. I really do. This is an you're, American army uh shirts just so make sure everybody knows this okay i tell you you're a sandinista <laughs> see how ray helps our video ratings without even trying the guy's unbelievable all right ray longo minute every week here on the anakin Florian oh, podcast man. i hope your, your two hours in the hotel room goes well we'll be watching the game and uh we look forward to talking to you again in in seven days my friend thank you as always awesome my man take it easy guys see you, ray. ray longo minute oh man See, he don't even know the Super Bowl question's coming. And he's just ready to no, just fucking ready. fire. Guy's unbelievable. Um, all right, we got to get out of here. Uh, I, You know, I don't want Felder at my house, right? right? Like, I'm supposed to text him right now this flight, and I don't know what to do What if you just? It. What if you just, like, you had a, a cell phone, like uh, he could watch it on his phone outside of your house, just, like, connect. Yeah. You give him the Wi-Fi password, he stays outside and just watches the game on That's the phone. That's good. That's good. I, I think it was against my better judgment to even invite him. But when he told me he was going to miss the game, it's not like the Eagles are there every year. I right. felt I felt badly for him. And when you hear him talk about watching his Eagles on Wi-Fi, I just felt like yeah. I would. And extend, no beer uh, for him yeah. either, by the way. No, beer. certainly not. Yeah, certainly not. Obviously. Right. He'll start flirting with my mom. I'm kidding, folks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm kidding. Um, all right. So and, and just to make it official, my Super Bowl bet with Brian Stan, Kenny is not involved. Um the loser gets one ear pierced, video evidence required. Loser's got to keep it in for 10 days, 
and the stud or the hoop, whatever it is, has to be of a reasonable size and pre-approved by the winner before it actually gets pierced. So that is on the record. <laughs> oh, it's too good, dude. And oh, if Stan hoop. has to walk in, it to has first to be a hoop. Homes, it has to yeah. be a hoop. I think like so too. Like a pirate, like a, one of those pirate rings. In the, in you imagine the Stan walking into First Key Homes LLC so good, with like a big hoop, or in like his a, ear. a long ass feather, like a Mr. T feather. It'd be so good. He always has these, and the, you know, the leg waxing was his idea. The ear piercing is his idea. I don't know if he's don't trying know. to tell us something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He has three daughters. Brian, if you want to go get a Manny Petty dude <laughs> on your own dime, on your own time, it's okay. Right. Exactly. You don't need to All do right. a bet. Well, right. I mean, my we, gosh, it's like any suggestions. We love him either like, way. We're going to love him either way. Pierced. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to love like, hey, and Brian, support him either way. Any suggestions? Yeah, let's get our ears pierced, John. Okay, <laughs> Brian. Okay. Um, all right. We got to get out of here. Thank you to our guests, Eric Anders, Paul Felder, Ray Longo, Will Coggin on the picks. Of course, we are back with you again next Monday. Uh, we'll either be celebrating, I guess, a sixth Super Bowl championship for the New England Patriots, or I'll be, I guess, making an appointment to get to get my ear pierced. Uh, may Rocky BJJ, may Rocky BJJ.com, M E R A K I BJJ.com. School is going really well. Thanks, bro. Jason Hunt and Ken Flo holding the down kid. Looks pretty good. Those executive classes still open 7 a.m.? Oh, yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can go early. We, we, uh, we're, we're adding classes all the time, man. So the school is growing. We've been, uh, been blessed, man. And tell Stan, you don't need an executive MBA to participate in those 7 a.m. Executive Ex- exactly. Classes, so. he, he's more than um, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because he doesn't have it yet. That's good. Um, <laughs> next week, uh, also all of Kenny's picks for the upcoming pay-per-view uh, in Perth, UFC 221 on Saturday, February the 10th. All right, with that for the flow, our whole team at Fox Sports, thank you all very kindly. I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching. Sincerely, we will talk to you in one week's time. Until then, go Pats. Yo later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.